My project is that I'm supposed to pick a student in our school that um, inspires me to come to work every day. And, oh, this is gonna make me cry. Um, so that student is, is you. I just wanted to tell you that um, I appreciate you and you're a reason that I come to work every day because and I really appreciate all the cool stuff that you do in English. You write awesome stories. You, Ola, are one of those people. Um, I have been challenged to find a student who makes me want to come to school every day. And that's you. You, Sierra, are that student. You awesome. are one of the reasons that I get out of bed and come here every day, so. You have a smile on your face. You seem excited to be there. And uh, you're always just a pleasant person to be around. I enjoy having you. I know where nothing was. So I just want to tell Chad I appreciate him and his positive attitude. I just wanted to tell you, Jamie, that I appreciate you. <laughs> and I think that you are, seriously, I really think you're an awesome student. And I love the way that you are so kind to me. Talk to a student about why I feel inspired to come to work every day and wanted you to know that you're one of the reasons. Thank you. Positivity challenge, and I picked you. I'm not going to cry as one of the reasons why I come to school every day. To come to school and work hard every day. And you two are two of the people that make it fun for me to come to work. And I like coming and seeing you. And uh, you're the reason I get out of bed and come here in, in the mornings. And I want to come every day and be here so I can see you achieve those goals. Thank you. And I just wanted to say how much I really appreciate what you've done so far in class. And you inspire me to come to work every day. I wanted to tell you that you, I appreciate you. <laughs> oh, don't cry. Bring it in. And you make me a better human being every time that you, I get to work with you. So there you go. It might be a little bit of sassiness. It might be some sarcasm. It might be, uh, you know, a snide remark here or there. But I appreciate your personal spark that you bring to everything. Because you always have a smile on your face, you're always kind to me, and you always say hello. We're super proud of you guys, and we just want you guys to know it. Okay, keep up the good work. Awesome. <laughs> so I have been challenged to find a student that makes me want to come to work every day. And so I chose you, even though I don't have you this year. Yeah. Um, I always look forward to students that are like you. I look forward to seeing you because you make me inspired. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Special. You, you should. You, you are special. Hey, bro. Thank you so much. All right. Even though you don't realize it, it makes people's day go better. So I really appreciate you, and I'm gonna miss you next year. Oh. <laughs> Love you, sir. Sorry. All right. Sorry. sorry. Yeah. Love you too. All right. Back. I, I could pick anybody I want. <laughs> I know a lot of kids don't. No, cry. You're awesome. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I made my day. Most of the time, are a little too careless with our words. We kind of toss them around, we, we throw them at one another as if they don't really cost anything to say, and sometimes even that they don't cost much to hear. That we don't, we don't think carefully about how the words we're using impact the person that we're speaking them to.
In fact, in a, in a world full of cell phones and email and text messages, I feel like most of the time, a lot of us who are listening to words appear to be only half listening. And maybe that's, maybe that's true. Maybe there are times when we speak to one another or, or when someone's speaking to us where they're, they're just not able to get through to us in that moment for whatever reason, that, that they just can't manage to cut through the background noise of our lives to help us hear what they're really trying to say. And so there are many moments in our daily lives where I think we view words and we treat words as if they're cheap. That there is an endless supply of of words that we can use to speak to one another and that everybody around us is probably not paying all that close attention anyway, so it doesn't matter if we say what we mean or if we accidentally say things that we actually hope later weren't really heard at all. Maybe. Maybe that's how we view words. Maybe that's how we relate to words. But... But I think there are other times when we are, are open to realizing and confessing the truth. And that is that, that words are some of the strongest things that you and I have. They're the strongest things in all of existence. Words have the ability to, to carry within them this immeasurable power to either help people or hurt them. Words can be our way to connect. Words can be our way to attack. Words can be tools that we use to build better relationships. Words can be weapons that we use to destroy the fragile bonds that hold us together. Words can build us up and words can tear us down. And we know all of this, not theoretically, we know it personally because we have seen it all before. We have heard it all before. We have firsthand knowledge of the power of words. And we know that words that we mean, that that we truly mean when we speak them, are more powerful between us than just about anything else that we have. In the first book of the Bible, in Genesis, it is God's word that gives shape, beautiful shape, to an empty, formless world. God says light and there's light. God says night and day, and there they are. God says sky and ocean and land and plants, sun, moon, and stars, and and fish and birds and wild animals. And finally, God says the two words, human beings. And with each word, with each declaration, with each loving commandment, everything in existence starts to happen. Everything comes to the place where God can speak the first blessing, right? God looks at everything that God has spoken into existence. And what is the name he calls us by? Good. Very good. One of the first things, the first thing that God says over us after speaking us into existence is your good. You're very good. That's the core of who you are. It's who God made you to be. And, and though we obviously can't create through our words in the very same way that God creates through his word, we make things happen 
through our own words. We speak certain realities into existence between us. And what's more, there are times when God lets us speak his word through our words. There are times when God infuses what we say with his power and his grace. And because of that, things change. Because of that, we change. From anxious to calm, from from scared to brave, from ready to throw in the towel to determined to never give up. Throughout Scripture, God allows time after time everyday ordinary people to speak words to one another, to speak words over one another that accomplish extraordinary things. God, in relationship, allows us to have a vision for one another, to be able to see this certain kind of future for somebody else, and then to speak what we're seeing about them and their future directly to them. And when that happens over and over in Scripture, and I believe in our own lives, we know this, that when we speak a certain kind of future to somebody about them and about the hope that we have for them, it has the ability to shape their life from that moment on. It's not just cheap words. It They're words that give life and shape to life. You and I, through God's power, can speak words that plant hope deep inside somebody else. We can speak words that give somebody brand new ideas about who they are and who they can be. We can describe to them new possibilities that have never occurred to them before. And it is this holy hope and these brand new ideas that that are given birth and and these brand new possibilities that wash over them that that from that moment on start to shape them. Really, whether they, they want those words to shape them or not, those words have a power. You don't forget words of hope that are spoken over you. You you don't walk away from, from words where somebody has described a brand new idea to you about who you can be. You, you don't just abandon the new possibilities that somebody looks at you and says, I, I believe this about you. I believe this for you. I believe this is in you and in your future. All it takes is a simple prompt where teachers are asked, choose a student, And tell the student why they're one of the reasons that you get up every morning and come to work. And did you see the impact that those simple words had on those students? It it was like giving water to plants that are dying of thirst. And there are people in your life, there are people that, that come to mind that are beaten up and they're tired, and they're worn down, and they need somebody to speak words of promise and hope and new ideas and new possibilities. And yet we pass one another all the time, and we choose not to share those kinds of words. Often, if, we, if we're going to be really honest, we choose to share the opposite kinds of words. Harsh words, words of judgment, words of criticalness, words that don't build up, but they tear down. And yet we come back to this, this reality that when, when you take 
a faith-filled heart together with God's heart and you speak words over somebody and and not just not just words over them but words that that are inviting God to be a part of of their present and their future that when we invite God into those kinds of statements into those those loving descriptions and and declarations of what we see in somebody else in their future, when we invite God into those moments, God always accepts that invitation. And things are changed. We're changed. In Genesis chapter 27, we find old blind Isaac speaking words over his imperfect, deceitful son Jacob. He says, may God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness. May nations serve you. Isaac is speaking these words over Jacob. And as troubled as this moment is, where instead of his firstborn receiving these blessings, which were always in Jacob's world, reserved for the firstborn, God imagines a world where the secondborn son is blessed richly too, and somehow uses the, the brokenness of Jacob's motivations and heart and Isaac's blindness to let something unexpected unfold in a world where we always think, look, some people are destined to have everything and other people are destined not to have anything at all. The story of Jacob and Isaac is a gospel moment in the Old Testament that says, no, 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 it doesn't matter when you're born. It doesn't matter who you are. God longs to bless you too. And so through Isaac, these words are spoken. And of course, it gives this unexpected hope and a brand new idea and, and new possibilities that a second-born son shouldn't have ever expected. But, but the reason we know these words all these years later is not because a blind old man spoke them accidentally over the wrong son. We know them because as Isaac's speaking to his son, it's not just a moment between two people where Isaac's talking to Jacob and that's it. Isaac is speaking to God about Jacob. Isaac isn't just making promises. Isaac is praying promises. He's inviting God into Jacob's story. And every time we invite God into somebody's story, God accepts the invitation. And there, there is this amazing partnership that happens between our words and God's heart. And these statements, they begin to have a power that doesn't belong to us. Years pass, and, and we find a story where Moses is leading the people of Israel out of bondage. And if you know anything about the story of Scripture, you, you've probably heard before that these descendants that Moses is leading out into freedom, they are living, breathing evidence that God listened to Isaac's blessing over Jacob because all of these, these men, women, and children are Jacob's descendants. And Moses is, is with them and trying to lead them and trying to help them understand who they are and who God can make them and help them be. And just like Isaac, he partners with God. He doesn't just make promises. He prays promises over them. He invites God to be a part of this, this version of a future that he longs for them to have. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 2, we find these words. All these blessings, Moses says, over Jacob's children. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you. If you obey the Lord your God, you will be blessed in the city 
and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed, the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds, the lambs of your flocks, your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. Seven times in five verses. Moses chooses to use the word blessing to describe the kind of future he longs for Jacob's descendants to have. And it is a very certain kind of future. It's not any kind of future. It's a future where he hopes that they will learn how to have this careful, trusting obedience with God. And if they will live lives of careful, trusting obedience, it will unlock these blessings that he has envisioned for them. And he's hoping that they are listening closely enough to understand their partnership in all this so that his promises to them will be promises that come true for them. Years pass, centuries pass, in fact, and then we find other sacred words of promise. We find words of blessing from another man of God who is in another way speaking to the descendants of Jacob. In Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14, we find the Apostle Paul say, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, and I pray that out of his glorious riches... He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, will have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowing that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. These words aren't just dusty old artifacts that we have somehow managed to hold on to for over 2,000 years. These words as scripture, these words as God's word, they belong to us. And we belong to them. And it's not that when Paul first wrote these words and spoke these words over a, a church community in Ephesus that he was speaking directly to us. It's that through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the presence of the Holy Spirit, these words that were originally intended for others are also mysteriously and and amazingly intended for us now. These words are to you. These words are about you. Can you see the future that Paul wants for you? Can you see... What, what he's saying, these new ideas that maybe we, we've heard before, but we've forgotten, and so they're new again. These possibilities that, that, that don't even occur to us. And I don't want these words to just have been true. I want these words to come true. I, I want to believe that if, like Jacob's descendants, we will partner with Paul's heart and with God's heart, that somehow we will unlock this future that we would be crazy not to want. I want to believe that someday soon, that if we'll keep trusting and believing, that we will find together that we are encountering this love that's too high and wide and long and deep for us to experience all at once. 
to know all at once. I, I long for this day, a day that's coming soon, where we will be filled in every measure, in every way to the fullness of Christ. I long for a day when our lives will be a part of something that is immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. And I want our lives to not be about us and our glory, but to be lives that are lived in anticipation of the coming glory of Jesus Christ. These words aren't just words that were true and have been true. These are words that can come true. But we have to choose to believe that. We have to choose it every single day. I don't care who you are. I don't care what kind of life you've had. I I don't care what kinds of, of relationships you've had. If you're here this morning... You are someone who is in desperate need for words of blessing to be spoken to you. And as much as the blessings of Scripture really are spoken to us and for us, I have found that we also have a soul-deep longing to have even more personal words of blessing spoken to us from people who know us who know us and in knowing us choose to still love us. People who share life with us. To see something in us and in our future that's God. Right? To see something in us and in our future that's Christ. To see something in us and in our future that's the Spirit. And to speak that truth to us. And here's the thing, brothers and sisters, we don't all just have this need to receive these kinds of blessings, we all also have a calling to speak these kinds of words of blessing to one another. We have a need and we have a calling. And if we're going to be the kinds of people God longs for us to become, we're going to have to admit that need and we're going to have to accept that calling. Not just some of us, but all of us. This week's spiritual practice is blessing. And the definition of that is... Blessing is using the power of carefully chosen words to describe and impart a God-shaped, hope-filled future for another person. It's using the power of carefully chosen words to describe and impart a God-shaped, hope-filled future for another person. Because words don't only describe things. Words have the power to do things. And together with God's help, our words can do amazing things in one another's lives. While it's true that we don't have the power to bless people apart from God's help, it's also just as true that God absolutely loves to bless other people through us. That God loves to bless other people through the way we treat them and through the words we speak to them. And any one of us can do this. Every single one of us is called to do this. All we have to do is try. To try to, to speak God's honest truth to somebody else in our life. To speak what it is God is helping us see in them and in their future. To intentionally, verbally share with them this holy hope that God has given us for them. The the best blessings that we can give to another person have three components. They state our love and our respect 
for that person. They, they honor who they are. Not who we wish they would be. But they honor who they, who they are, who they, they naturally are, who they, the God-given talents and passions they have. And they paint the picture of a good future that they can have if they will partner with God. The best blessings ask great things of us because the person speaking the blessing to us sees God's greatness in us. You can't speak an authentic word of blessing to someone or over someone unless you believe in them and believe in them deeply. This isn't something that that just a few of us who we feel like might have the, the gift of words are called to do. This is something we have all been called to. And we have to be honest when we speak these blessings to one another. Describing some sort of bright future for somebody else that in in the privacy of our own hearts we don't really believe they're probably going to have, that's not helping anybody. That's, That's not blessing anybody. That's lying to them out of pity. And nobody wants our pity. What people are longing to hear from us is our hope-filled love for them. And this hope, this this new idea, these, these new possibilities that, that we have in our hearts for them. And we don't just speak to them, but like Isaac and like Moses and like Paul, we speak to God for them. We speak to God about them in their presence. We don't just make promises, we pray promises. And we ask for God to honor our words. There's another thing I need to say uh, as we speak to one another through God-shaped, hope-filled words. While we should clearly describe the kind of future we believe God has in store for them, we should never use words of blessing to closely control another person's future, mom and dad. (laughs) May you grow up to be a successful doctor. May you never move away from me. May you grow up to do all the things I tell you to do. Those aren't blessings, those are burdens. They're manipulative ways of talking about someone else's future. Instead, you and I, like like Isaac and like Moses and like Paul and countless other people in in Scripture, we want to choose words of blessing over people that are open enough and wide enough to come true in, in all kinds of different ways. A preferred future shouldn't be a prescribed one. And that can be difficult for us as we think about how to talk about someone and their future, but we have to hold on to that truth. I, uh, I brought a Bible with me this morning that I actually don't use a whole lot anymore. Uh, it's a Bible that I got a long time ago when I was... Uh, a freshman starting at Abilene Christian University, and I, I knew that I wanted to go into ministry, but I, beyond that, I didn't really know. And my parents were nervous about that choice uh, because of experiences they had had in ministry, uh, disappointments they'd been through. Uh, you know, my parents were very careful to not speak in ways in our home about the church that would cause me or my sisters not to still love the church. But once I got to a place where I wanted to follow in my father's footsteps, 
there was a level of truth that they started to share with me that I didn't know before. And it was, uh, it was a kind of hope, but it was also a kind of heartbrokenness that I think all parents at some time or another feel for their children as they start to become their own people and make choices. And you know that the world is going to hurt your children. I think what my parents were worried about was the church was going to hurt their child. And so they were nervous about it. And, and so I get this Bible, and it's, it's nothing fancy about it. It's, it's the assigned Bible I had to get as a freshman. So it's, it's heavy, and it's, there's nothing fancy. It's, it's got all kinds of notes that, you know, about Hebrew and Greek and all the stuff that you need. It's too heavy for me to hold every week when I preach because I'm not that strong. I keep the Bible because without me knowing, my father and my mother and my sister Rachel wrote inside of it. And I actually didn't find these blessings until I got here to school and opened up the Bible and started using it. And I, I want to read these blessings to you. And as I read them to you, what I want you to do is I want you to think about who in your life has tried to bless you with words like these before? And where are those words? I mean, are they in a shoebox, kind of tucked away in your closet somewhere? Or are they in a, in a desk drawer that you don't open all that often? Or are they just in your heart? But when people speak words of blessing to us, when they speak words of blessing over us, we don't lose those words. Uh, my dad writes, Jared, ministry has been one of the deepest joys of my heart. You have been another of my deep joys. To think that we could share in the ministry of the gospel is beyond belief. May you know the joy of touching lives for eternity. And may these words, God's words, be powerful in your heart and in your life and in your words. I love you more than I can tell you. You are one of my favorite people in the world. Thank you for being the son of my dreams. Love, Dad. Jared, my mom writes, sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord. I want you to know that my prayer for you is that you will have the joy of the Lord, that you will come to truly know him. As you learn about God, grow in your love for his people. I am so proud of you and wish you knew how much I love you, your mom. And then Rachel, who at the time signed it, love always Rachie. Jared, you're the best brother I could have asked for, and I love you so much. I hope you will always grow closer to God in everything you do. I want you to know that I love you more than you'll ever know, and I'm always praying for you, thinking about you, and missing you. I feel so proud to call you my brother. Once again, I love you. She says that four times in six sentences, which are worse, there are worse things you could do than tell someone you love them six times in not that many sentences. Those aren't long notes. Uh, somehow, in all, all three of those notes, they kind of are able to accomplish those three components of, of showing love and respect and honoring not the kind of person they wish I had already become, but just honoring who I am and, and then having this picture, painting a picture of the kind of life they believe I will have. 
because of my relationship with God. And I read and reread those words more than you might guess. I especially read those words on Mondays after I'm sent other types of words. I read those words... I read those words when I'm afraid I've lost my way in my own life. Because I, I'm reminded that there was a time in my life where three people who mean the world to me saw that goodness in me and saw God in me and believed those things for me. And it helps me remember that no matter how challenging the present may feel, this is the future they saw for me and that things are going to be okay. Who has written words to you like that? Who's given you words like that? I mean, it may be in a card. It, it may have been in just a short note. It, it might have been a, a brief conversation. Everybody in this room has somebody that, that at least once has spoken those kinds of blessings over you. And you know the, the impact that they make. You know the, the power that those words have to shape you and your heart. I want to close this morning with a short video. It, it may be a video that some of you have seen before. It's a, a dad with his daughter on her wedding day. And he's, he's reached that point in the service where the father, if they want to say something, they get to say something. And a lot of dads, you know, are just too nervous in that moment to say much more than her mother and I do. You know, and the preacher asked that question. But this dad decides he wants to bless his daughter, and he wants to bless her soon-to-be husband. And somehow in the midst of all that, he manages to not only bless the two of them, but he, he blesses everybody who's listening. And so let's watch this video together now. Philip, I want to tell you a story. And like all good stories, it starts like this. Once upon a time, there was a father. And in case you can't figure that out, that's me. This father had a wonderful little boy. He was very happy. But then one day he found out that his wife was going to have a little baby. So I prayed, Lord, if it's your will, I was the first person to hold her in my arms. And I looked at her and I said, Lord, make her like a mother. And he did. She was loving and giving and so good and so kind. But then I realized I was getting left out. So I said, Lord, make her like me. And he did. She can drive a truck and a tractor. She can load hay and strip tobacco. Do you realize what you're getting? <laughs> but at the same time, she was opinionated, emotional, and hard headed. So I said, Lord, that's enough of that. Make her like you. And he did. He gave her a desire to serve people. She loves people. She gave her life to being a nurse. She's brought people back from the dead. And she's held the hand of people 
breathe their last breath. He gave her a heart for missions, and she's trekked all over the world. Pushed canoes up swollen rivers and laid on the floor while bullets whizzed outside so she could tell people about Jesus. But still, something was missing. So I said, Lord, make her happy. See that look on her face? I never saw that until she met you. And I'm grateful for that. Today I'm giving you the best thing I had to give. And I just wanted you to know before I do that how hard me and God's work to get her ready for. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I know, you know, with this series, it's like, let's, let's try these things out. And I, I, I know you've got a lot going on in your life, and I know that some weeks you've been able to try these practices out, and other weeks you meant to, and you didn't get around to it. And, but I'm, I'm begging you, in the next seven days, I'll pick one of these up if you didn't. It's, it's basically going to lay out how to write a simple blessing for somebody Make a decision to do this. Choose someone in your life who could use a blessing, which, by the way, is everybody in your life, but choose just one. Think about who they are. Not who you wish they were in a controlling way, but just who they are. And sit down and write carefully chosen words. Write down words that honor and love them and show them respect. And then talk about the future that you believe God is going to make possible in their life. And then give those words to them. If it needs to be written down in a note or a letter, that's fine. If it needs to be a phone call, that's fine. What I'd really love to see happen is for you to invite them to sit down across the table from you and for you to speak those words to them. They will seek, sink deep into those people's hearts and souls. I promise you. And it'll change. Not only who they are, but who they can become. Because you won't just be making promises to them. You'll be praying promises for them. And every time we invite God into somebody else's life, God always accepts the invitation. So find a way to do this. Don't let busyness or anything else cause you to not follow through on this. Write words of blessing to somebody and give them. And let's close with this blessing from the Apostle Paul. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We're going to sing together and as we do, our shepherds and their wives will be in places in this room to receive you and pray over you. If you want to know more about our church or what it means to become a Christian, you just want to pray or talk, they're there to be community for you. So I'm going to ask those couples if they would to stand up real briefly so you can kind of see where they are. Uh, they want to be there for you. They want to pray with you and talk with you. Go to them as together we stand and sing.